0: Welcome to Cross Communities podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, happy Mother's Day. Again, we are so glad that you've chosen to spend part. of ...of your special day with us. We know there's lots of places that you could be celebrating, so thanks for being at Cross Community Church. Um, Our passage this morning and our message has a little bit of a Mother's Day flavor to it, so I'm excited about that Uh, this morning. I wanted to say this morning, guys, if you forgot today was Mother's Day, and you haven't made any arrangements whatsoever, if when I look down to read in just a few minutes, you need to slip out... Totally understandable. I will not hold that against you, okay? Just wait till I'm looking down. I won't be offended, okay? Um, But I believe that we finally reached spring. And I don't want to jinx this this morning, um, but it's been a slow progression. But I think we finally arrived and got some of that spring weather. And then uh, spring will slowly turn to God's season of summer. And I know there's another season that comes with that summer season that's ahead of us. And that's wedding season, okay? And so we're going to talk a little bit about weddings this morning. But before we get into this, I do want to let you know that our passage comes from John chapter 2 this morning. So go ahead, if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can find John chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. We're going to read that in just a minute, so find it, hold that place. But we're talking a little bit about weddings this morning. And I would guess that many of you here this morning may have a wedding on your calendar in the months ahead. And um, it feels kind of weird for me, and my wife is in the room here, and it's totally possible that I have completely forgotten, but it, I, I'm pretty sure that we have no weddings on our calendar this coming year. And this is kind of rare for us, okay? Um, I'm, you know, 10 years removed from, from college now, and when you're finishing college, you attend lots of weddings because all your friends are getting married, sometimes you're in some of those weddings. And then I've been in youth ministry for close to 10 years now as well. And so a lot of those students graduate and you go to those weddings. And so it feels like it's totally normal for us to have in the ballpark of two to three weddings on our calendar every year. But this is the first year that I, somebody needs to get married, okay? I don't have any weddings on my calendar. So, but um, we love weddings. It's kind of a bummer we don't have any on our, our schedule. But I think most of us would agree that there is something special about celebrating a wedding with friends and with family. Um, usually you get to connect with a lot of people at a wedding. There's usually good food. And sometimes there's even dancing. Okay? Um, dancing is great if you like dancing. If you're me, then it's horrible, okay? Because I'm the guy who's in the middle of the floor and people on the side are like, wow, it looks like someone's beating him out there. It looks like he's in a lot of pain, um, which is really unfortunate. My wife loves to dance, but making through a slow dance is kind of a, a struggle for me. So it is what it is. That's, that's as good as it's going to get. Um, but we like weddings because we like to celebrate. We like to have a good time and share in those special moments of life with special people. And so this morning we're looking at a story about Jesus at a wedding. It's one of those stories in scripture that reminds us of Jesus' humanity and how much he really did become one of us. And as much as Jesus was God, as much as he was divine, he was also fully human. In John's first chapter, in just a few verses before what we're going to read this morning, John tells us that the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The message version says Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He was fully like us and he was like us in that he liked to celebrate. He liked to have a good time. And in the pages of Scripture, we find him celebrating with friends or sharing a meal with friends that maybe other people didn't think he should be friends with, right? But Jesus didn't care. Or maybe it was that he really did care. But at the simplest level, Jesus enjoyed sharing life with all people, regardless of who they were or what they did or what their reputation was. And so this morning in our passage, we find him at a wedding with friends and with family. And we find him doing something that I think ultimately helps us understand the kind of God that we serve. Okay, And so I'm excited about this morning. And with that, I want to invite you to stand with me as we read from John chapter 1 together. This is John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God and our response is always, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, this morning we have a story about Jesus, a wedding, an incredible miracle that Jesus does, and lots and lots of wine. Okay? And it's one of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament. But I wanted to begin with a little bit of a disclaimer this morning. Because for some of us, when we read a passage like this, we can get distracted by some of the questions that can come to mind when we read it, okay? And some of those questions tend to be about wine, okay? And we might wonder, should Christians drink alcoholic beverages? Why would Jesus make wine? Of all the things that Jesus could have made so much of, why would he make wine? Why would Jesus make so much wine, right? If you made it, why would he make so much? And then did Jesus drink this wine, and if he did, what is that what what do you think of that and all those kinds of things? These questions come to mind when you read a passage like this, maybe. And some of you are sitting here this morning, you're like, I didn't have any of those questions before, but now I kinda want to know. Like so if that's the case, uh, you feel free to email me at jeffc 3 naz at gmail.com. Be happy to have that conversation with you later this week. But in this passage it is really, really easy for us to get distracted by some of these Underlying questions about wine that really have nothing to do with what's happening in our story. And so I want to invite us this morning to set those things aside and not get distracted by those things and miss the amazing thing that Jesus is doing in this story and make sure that we discover what Jesus is doing and what he's up to in this passage. Okay? Can we do that? All right, good. All right. So Jesus attends this wedding in Cana. And most of us who have been to lots of weddings... But weddings in Jesus' day, they were a little different than the weddings that we might attend, okay? Um, a wedding in, you know, that you and I might attend might be a full evening, right? Usually there's a ceremony, there's maybe a um, dinner that follows, but it's usually contained all to the same day, or maybe part of a day. It may not even last a full day. In Jesus' world, a wedding would last an entire week, okay? And so it was important. For there to be enough food and drink for your guests to last this entire time that they were gathered. And so to run out of wine in the world that Jesus lived in at a wedding was a big deal. It'd be kind of like running out of food at a wedding that we attended when only half the people there have been fed. Right? It's kind of awkward. You know, It kind of makes everybody look bad. The wedding party may look a little bad. It would be completely embarrassing, right? But even more than the embarrassment, some even thought that in Jesus' day, this could bring bad luck to the bride and the groom if this were to happen. And so it was more than inconvenience that they ran out of wine in our story. It was basically a social disaster. And so in our story, Jesus' mom comes to him and she says, Jesus, you have to do something about this situation. They've run out of wine. And Jesus' response to her is essentially, no. In verse 4, Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Okay? It's Mother's Day, okay? So we're going to pause here for just a second. Because I think it's important to stop and say, Jesus calls his mother woman, or his, his mom woman here. And I think to us, that can kind of sound short or disrespectful. And so I don't want you guys to think that on Mother's Day, Jesus is being disrespectful to his mom, okay? The Greek word that Jesus uses here is a perfectly common thing, respectful way to address a woman in Jesus' day. I just wanted to clear that up before we continued, okay? But Jesus does push back on his mother's request here. He says, why do you involve me? The Greek is literally, literally, what is it to me and to you? Jesus is saying, so they've run out of wine. What do you expect me to do about it? Because this wasn't Jesus' problem, right? We have to remember, this, this is Jesus' first miracle. There's no expectation. The idea that Jesus could do something miraculous or anything at all, it just wasn't there. Jesus' disciples had never seen him do anything on this level before. But Jesus' mom, knowing her son, knowing who he was, knowing what he came to do, and then also knowing the desperation of the situation, tells the servant standing nearby, do whatever he tells you. The Greek says, whatever he might say to you, do it. I like that. So we know initially Jesus says no to his mother's request, but for whatever reason Jesus changes his mind and we really aren't told what Changes his mind. But again, it's Mother's Day, so maybe we just know it's hard to say no to your mom. And that's the biggest influence for Jesus. But whatever the reason actually was, Jesus does decide to intervene. And so he takes the six stone jars that were nearby, and he has the servants fill them with ordinary water. It says that they fill them to the brim. And out of water, he makes over 120 gallons of wine. And so it's here in this unlikely situation that Jesus performs his first miracle. And at the end of our passage that we read, we're told that it was here at this wedding that Jesus revealed his glory. And so his disciples began to believe in him and put their trust in him because of all that had happened. And if that's all that this story is about, if that's all that happened here, it's an incredible story. But if we dig a little bit deeper into this passage, we find out that it's not random that Jesus chose to make gallons and gallons of wine. But that wine itself would have communicated something significant to the people in Jesus' world and the people at this wedding in their Jewish culture. You see, throughout the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of passages that use wine as a symbol of God's restoration. And the day that God would finally rescue his people. And so I'm going to ask you to indulge me for just a minute and stick with me as we go through some of these. Because I think it really does help us capture and understand exactly what Jesus was doing in the symbolism of this miracle. So we're going to read a couple of these Old Testament passages together. Isaiah 25 says, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine. The best meats and the finest of wines. He will swallow up death forever. The Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove His people's disgrace from all the earth. Amos chapter 9 says, A day is coming when new wine will drip from the mountains and flow from the hills. And I will bring my Israel back from exile. In that day they will plant vineyards and drink their wine. In the book of Joel... The author there is talking about the day when God will finally restore Israel. And in chapter 3, he says, In that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine. And so if all Jesus is doing in this passage is meeting a need and responding to this crisis for the sake of this family, that's Incredible. And if all Jesus is doing is performing a miracle so that his glory can be revealed. Also, incredible, amazing story. But if wine had become a symbol of God's restoration and hope and the new kingdom that was coming, Jesus was doing so much more than transforming water into wine, as miraculous as that is. He was declaring that the day that Israel had been waiting for for hundreds of years had finally arrived. The new life that they were waiting for, the hope that they were waiting for, was here. And earlier I mentioned that one question we might have is why would Jesus make so much wine? Making over 100 gallons of wine might seem excessive to some, Um, I don't know, maybe not to some others Um, but most scholars do agree that the size of this wedding probably didn't require this much wine Jesus probably went a little overboard here but if wine was symbolic of restoration how incredibly meaningful it would have been that Jesus made so much wine it would have communicated not only is hope here salvation is here but it's here in abundance. There's more than enough for everyone. So Jesus is sharing good news with them, but it's still good news for us today. Hope is here, it's here in abundance, and there's more than enough for everyone. That's some good news. I want to share a story with you this morning about a little bit of a crisis uh, that we had in our family. Um, a little over a month ago, we made a family trip to Florida. Okay, we went there for spring break, enjoyed the weather, had a great time. Um, it was good to get away for a little while. Um, but due to the pandemic and some other things, we haven't done a lot of traveling the last couple of years some of that's pandemic some of it's we have two kids and just some of the you know the the challenges that come with traveling with the two kids so this is Theo's first time on an airplane and this is Owen's uh you know he's been on the airplane a couple times before but it's our, our first time traveling with both the kids on airplane. so we're really excited about the trip but also a little bit curious about how the travel portion uh was going to go but really the kids did amazing like they traveled amazing Theo took rockstar naps on the flights. Everything went really, really smoothly, until the last half hour of the return flight to Detroit. Okay, so this is why I get to share with you this morning. We let each of the boys travel with these Camelback water bottles that you see in the picture, and um, you can fill those after you get through TSA. Of course, you can't before, but then they have something for the you know flight and something to drink. And we had purchased. Some chocolate milk at one of those convenience counters once we'd gone through TSA and so we filled Theo's water bottle with with chocolate milk so he'd have that for the flight. Takes an incredible nap, hour and a half, wakes up, reaches for his chocolate milk bottle, Morgan helps him pop the top on that thing, and chocolate milk sprays everywhere. Like, I am not kidding you, like, Four rows behind us. I'm not, make, I'm not exaggerating for a good preaching story. Four rows behind us are covered in chocolate milk. It's just everywhere. And so we're mortified wondering how this happened. But we're cleaning, you know, around us, cleaning the wall and the window and, like, apologizing to the people behind us. Just a total nightmare of a situation. But, um... Man, then we get off the flight and so I'm standing in baggage claim and I just happen to be standing next to the people from Froro's behind me, of course. So I'm like, I'm really sorry, you know, and offering to replace their clothes because the lady's shirt is covered in chocolate milk and luckily super gracious people, but just incredibly embarrassing experience. But we're, we do all this and then we're like, how does this happen? We assume like the water bottle may they pressurize because of the, you know, the, the altitude or something like that. No, we learn later that our son Theo likes to blow air back into his camelback. So, uh, Jackson, go to the next slide for me. So that's his sweet face, innocence all over it, but in real life he's conspiring about how to cover four rows of an airplane in chocolate milk, okay? So great vacation, but not without a little bit of a crisis there at the end on, on the way home. But um, you might call it a disaster. I think I might call it a disaster. Um, it's something we laugh at now. You're laughing this morning. I've learned to laugh about it. Um, we all have those crisis moments, though. And not all of them are as lighthearted as that. Um, we have more real, serious crisis moments in our life that are much, much heavier than we've even prayed about. This morning. And so, what I love about our passage this morning is that we find that Jesus responds to one of those crisis moments. And he teaches us that we serve a God who is moved to action because of his compassion. We serve a God who's moved to action because of compassion. And I'm convinced that maybe the most important thing in this entire passage, maybe even beyond the miraculous, is the simple fact that Jesus did anything at all and that he chose to respond. Because running out of wine at this wedding was a real crisis. It was more than inconvenient. And Jesus didn't have to do anything, right? In fact, it made more sense that he wouldn't. It was not his wedding. it's not his family. It's not his social standing on the line. And at first, it seems that Jesus knows that it's not his place to intervene. The stone jars that Jesus uses, they're reserved for ceremonial purification. Jesus would have known that using those for anything other than that would have defiled them. There were so many reasons that Jesus should have said, hands off, no, this is not for me. But for whatever reason, Jesus chooses to respond. And because he does, The picture of God that Jesus paints for us is pretty incredible. From the very beginning of the Gospel of John, John makes it very clear that if we want to know what God is like, we have to look at Jesus. And so in this story, Jesus reveals to us a God who shows up in crisis moments, who even though he doesn't have to do anything, meets even our most basic of needs because we serve a God who is moved to action because of His compassion. And it's great news. We've talked about we all have those crisis moments. We all have those times in life that seem too big for us to handle on our own. And maybe crisis is too strong of a word. Maybe that's dramatic. But maybe it's not, too. We all have those things, the things that we, we can't solve on our own. Situations that are bigger than us. And maybe they're a big deal to us. Maybe there's something that we care about a lot that we carry. They're really heavy, but we wouldn't expect anyone else to care. And we definitely wouldn't think to bother God with that thing. But the cool thing about this story is that Jesus cares about the little things. And I wonder if that's why John starts his gospel with this story. And maybe that's why Jesus starts his ministry with this very miracle. So that when we have a moment of crisis arrive in our life that we feel may not be important enough to God, we remember that God shows up even in those moments. That's our hope. That we have a God who shows up in crisis moments and is moved to action because of his compassion. But I also think we can be challenged by this passage this morning. So it's good news for us, but I also think we can be challenged because of the example that Jesus sets for us in this story. Because so often we find ourselves in someone else's crisis moment, don't we? And in those moments, we don't have to do anything, right? It's not our life. It's not our responsibility. For us, there's probably very little on the line. But the example that Christ sets for us in this story challenges us to go beyond our responsibility and be people who are moved to action because of compassion. That's why Cross Community believes in local missions. It's why we believe in global missions. It's why we have a food pantry. It's why our students are going to Flint later this summer. We're surrounded by opportunities to engage in the crisis moments of other people. And often it's, it's not our life, right? It's not our problem. It's not our responsibility. And usually there's very little on the line for us. But the love of Jesus compels us to be people of compassion. Not because when we serve other people, somehow we're up here and they're down here. But when we serve other people, it's us remembering that God has shown up in our life, in our crisis moments, in the moments when we needed him most, and now it's just our privilege and our blessing to do the same to others. This passage this morning is about transformation. We know it's about transformation of water into wine, but it also invites us to transformation and to remember that the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, is good news for all people, and that it's about transformation and continu- continual change. When Jesus made an excessive amount of wine, he was announcing that hope and restoration, salvation, was here, and it was here in abundance. There was enough for everyone. And transformation was going to be available to everyone. And and we're invited to be transformed into people who are learning to trust God with our crisis moments and then come alongside other folks in their crisis moments and continue to experience Christ along the way. And so that's my prayer for us this morning. That as we seek to follow Jesus, we would look for Him to show up In our crisis moments, we would open ourselves up to be there in the crisis moments for others, and that we would continue to be transformed by the love and the grace and the compassion of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning as we pray? Lord Jesus, We do thank you that you are a God who shows up in those crisis moments, that you care, God, about the little things that are happening in our life. We thank you that you meet us in our day-to-day with your compassion. You walk beside us. And so often, God, you take the ordinary and you transform it. You take the difficult and you come alongside of us. God, we also ask that you would help us to be filled with the same kind of compassion that you have given to us. Help us to view our world and maybe even other people's crisis moments as a chance to bring grace and compassion and your healing. God, you help help us to be your hands and feet. We do pray that you would help us to live as your disciples in our world, that we would be transformed as we continue to say Yes. To whatever you may say to us, we love you, Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Go in his peace. Enjoy your Mother's Day. Don't forget to grab your Mother's Day gift on your way out. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a Connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.